Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. Let's talk about what's going on with NAFTA. On Friday, we told you that uh, the negotiations were beginning once again in earnest in Washington uh, between the three parties to try to revamp the NAFTA deal. Remember, Donald Trump said he wanted to tweak it. Uh, way back when. Uh, tweaking, I think, has taken on a whole different meaning given some of the things that have been proposed by the U.S. side over the last little while. So much so that some observers are now suggesting that the U.S. team, under the uh, guidance of uh, President Trump, are actually trying to scuttle the deal and scuttle the negotiations so that Trump can come back and say NAFTA has failed. Interesting idea. Interesting proposal. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Patrick LeBlond, Associate Professor in the Graduate School of Public and International Affairs in the University of Ottawa. Patrick, thank you so much for the time. It's good to have you with us today. Uh, my pleasure. Let's uh, talk a little bit about this. There's a piece in the New York Times over the weekend, too, that suggested that uh, the Trump administration is taking the same tack towards NAFTA as they do with uh, many other what they consider to be controversial ideas, and that's simply, okay, tear it up and uh, we'll fix it somewhere down the road. Is that what's happening here? Uh, well, if you if if we read the, the the media, that that seems to be the case. Uh, everyone is sort of trying to read the tea leaves here, exactly as to uh, what is what, what it is that uh, Donald Trump and uh, U.S. Trade Representative uh, Robert Lighthizer are trying to do. Is it really that uh, on the, on the one hand they're they're kind of putting all these demands, hoping that they can gain some kind of leverage, and then say, look, you know, we got a good deal for 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 America. Or are they making these outrageous demand, uh, forcing you know Canadians and Mexicans to to leave the table and saying, well, look, you know they 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 they, they don't want to they they do not want to compromise. Uh, it's it's Canada's and Mexico's fault. Uh, we did our best, uh, but uh, clearly the, this is not a good agreement. They don't want to um, you know uh, give us anything that 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 it would be good for the the United States. So therefore, that's the you know we I, you know Trump would say I'm left with no choice. I I have to leave NAFTA. And then uh, we would have uh, probably some kind of uh, chaos in, in, in North America as a result of that, because I can only imagine uh, a scenario where there would be lawsuits uh, left, right, and center, and everyone trying to figure out you know, whether he has the authority or not to, to leave NAFTA on his own or whether he needs congressional approval. And that's, that's part of the debate that's going on in the States. I know we, we tend to be obviously kind of concerned about what's going on in this side of the 49th parallel, Patrick, but you're absolutely right. Uh, a number of congressional leaders on the uh, the Sunday morning political shows down in the states were saying, "Wait a second, he can't do that." Now, and again, that's open to discussion and debate. So this is not going to go away anytime soon, and I guess it's not going to be decided anytime soon. No. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it, it, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, we even read in some reports that, uh, in fact, the negotiators uh, who are at the tables uh, are very uncomfortable with uh, the demands that have been made by, in a way, the White House and and and, and Mr. Lighthizer. Uh, given that, in fact, some of them were 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 negotiators for NAFTA the first time around, and 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 tend to view um, uh, free trade agreements as overall something good that you know you you. Negotiate in good faith, and you you try to find a way that that ultimately is a win-win-win for everyone. Uh, but clearly, some of the demands are, are so outrageous that that it's it's you know I I don't know how they can kind of keep face while going to negotiations, uh, and 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 try to really negotiate something when they say, oh, for instance, uh, let's have a sunset clause uh, so that in five years NAFTA will will disappear unless we all agree to keep it. 
which, as many have, have mentioned, would lead to tremendous uncertainty. You know, if a business, you can imagine a, an automobile uh, company trying to say, okay, are we going to spend, I don't know, billions of dollars building a new uh, assembly plant somewhere in North America, uh, but not knowing whether in five years from now uh, the, the rules of the game will be the same. So, well, what's going to happen? Well, that investment will never take place, or if it takes place, it'll take place somewhere else than in North America. So, so this will almost have the same kind of effect as actually leaving uh, NAFTA. So it's, 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 it's not clear what's going to happen. Certainly, the Mexicans and the Canadians have, have, have made it clear that you know, they're, they're going to stay at the negotiating table. They're not going to leave. In a way, if someone's going to leave, it's going to be Trump, and, and they will make sure that uh, he is to blame if ever the negotiations fail and if ever there is this kind of limbo situation as a result of, of, of the President Trump signing uh, an executive order pulling the United States out of NAFTA. Uh, so that, you know, it, it, in a way, the failure would rest very clearly with, with Trump and, and, and Mr. Lighthizer. But uh, uh, politics aside in this situation, though, uh, Robert Lighthizer and Wilbur Ross are now they're not directly at the negotiating table, but they're certainly involved in their they're circling the table. These are pretty smart guys and with a pretty strong business background and at and, and the highest level. They've got to know that these kind of tactics are are, are, are well, they're not beneficial, and they, they're hurting everybody. And they must also understand that if the U.S. pulls out of NAFTA, as Trump is threatening to do right now, that there are going to be serious implications on that side of the border, too. Well, that's what you would think, but you know, given the way they're acting and what they're saying, it it, it sounds like they don't. Uh, let's not forget that Mr. Lighthizer has, has basically had a career in working for the steel industry, uh, and 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 basically fighting for protectionism for the the U.S. steel industry. So you know, it's in his bones. And and let's not forget also that uh, you know this is the same person who about ten years ago uh, penned an op-ed in uh, the New York Times uh, accusing John McCain of not being a real conservative uh, because he was pro-free trade. Uh, Mr. Lighthizer wrote that a real conservative in the United States is someone who adopts nationalist trade policies, which basically means protectionism. Mm -hmm. uh, so these people really seem to believe, as many do, that you know we live in a they, they, we live in a world, I guess, like 200 years ago, where exports are good and imports are bad. Whereas today, it's clear that both are important. And, you know, imports can be as important for a company's competitiveness as the fact that it can export its products or services. Uh, you know, on on a, on a different market. But you know, the, again, the 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 Mr. Trump, Mr. Lighthizer, and Mr. Ross seems to be seem to be stuck in 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 kind of this old way of thinking uh, that many people do because you know they 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 look at the economy the same way that they look at a company. You know, so basically, buying stuff is a cost, selling stuff is is a revenue. So therefore, we need to export more uh, in order to gain more revenues. But that that's not necessarily how things work. And and also, we have to understand that for some companies, you know, if they can import from Canada, that actually, or from Mexico, that can make them uh, more competitive in the U.S. market against Chinese uh, companies, or uh, they can be more competitive if they export to the, the European market, you know, because the economy, having become uh, globalized as it is, yeah, the, both, both these elements are important. You need to look at the overall value added, and which is very different than than and the way that Mr. Trump, uh, Ross, and Lighthizer look at the world. I, I mentioned at the start of that discussion there, uh, Patrick. I said politics aside, but maybe we should get politics involved in this because I think it's it's interwoven through a lot of the things that are happening right here. Uh, because I, what 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 
Lighthizer and Trump and, and Ross are advocating right now may well appeal to that disenfranchised auto worker in Ohio or in Michigan right now that says, yeah, buy American, let's get those jobs back here. But but Lighthizer and Ross, and, and they're, they're, they're supposed to be smarter than that, aren't they? They understand that there are global implications of this as well. They, you know, those people in Michigan and Ohio may not understand that, but they should. Well, they should, but uh, it's really not clear the way they're behaving that, that they do. Uh, and, 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 you know, we should not be surprised that Mr. Trump doesn't understand this, because Mr. Trump doesn't, you know, even though he might do international business, having, you know, hotels and, and properties with his name on, uh, this is not about, you know, he, he's not a trader. He, he doesn't no. trade in anything. You know, in fact, he, he you know, he, he buys stuff from China and then puts his name on it and, and sells it to Americans and others around the world. That's what he does. Uh, so it's kind of surprising in a way that, that he, he should see those things as being negative, given that, you know, he's one of the, 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 the people who benefit from imports. But I, I guess in his, in, in his mindset, that, that still doesn't resonate. So you're right to say that we need politics in this, because um, if, if we're going to avoid this sort of disaster scenario that, that we can envisage, uh, we're going to need uh, strong pressures and lobbying and, 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 and sort of a, a big push not only from from Canada and Mexico but mainly from uh, you know the automobile sector in the US uh, agricultural sectors other in a way uh, sectors that that benefit from NAFTA and and they have to mobilize very strongly not only at, at the state level but especially in, in Washington with Congress and say look you know you you are the, the in a way the the, the the, the last bastion that can stop Trump from doing anything like this, and, and, and therefore it's up to the Republicans and the Democrats to, to really stand up and tell Mr. Trump that, you know, pulling out of NAFTA is not in, in, in the United States' interests. Uh, that you know, modernizing NAFTA in a way that benefits uh, in over, in general all three countries is the way to go. And and for those workers in Ohio or Michigan who feel that going back to how things were in the 1960s or 70s is going to solve everything, they're not. I mean, if these companies are not going to take advantage of the fact that we have an integrated market in North America, they're not going to build more plants in the U.S. They're going to build plants in, in Eastern Europe, in, in Asia, or in Latin America. That's what they're going to do. Uh, so that those, or if they are going to build uh, plants, they're going to build more automated plants and, and, and not use workers. That, that's, that seems to be the reality of what's going to happen. So, you know, either we face the, the fact that, you know, we cannot go back uh, to the past, uh, and therefore, let's make sure that we have an agreement uh, that is in line with, you know, to, the, today's 21st century reali- reality. The way things have gone here in the last couple of weeks, especially, and the way that the, the Canadian contingent, including the prime minister, have responded, I, I find interesting, Patrick. Uh, you know, because things have been tossed at him right now. You know, we're going to tear up the deal. Uh, we want a sunset clause into this whole thing. We want to kill your supply management deal. And each and every time these these uh, things get tossed at, at the prime minister, it, his reaction seems to be like sticks and stones. So, you know, that's not going to bother me. I'm still going to be at the table. You can't scare me. You can't intimidate me right now. Is, is that the proper tact to be taking when, when these kind of tactics are being used? I, I think so, uh, because, you know, otherwise you're playing into Trump's hand. 
Uh, you know, we've seen it with North Korea when there been, there's been a response by the North Korean leader, and then basically uh, Mr. Trump's doubled down. Uh, we see it in, in some cases with, with members of Congress that, that Trump starts attacking. We've seen it with NFL players. So it's, it's basically the, the best strategy for Mr. Trump is, is, is not to react. It's a little bit like with a child, uh, that you know, if you react, you kind of fuel the anger, you fuel the excitement, uh, whereas if you don't react, it's like basically he, he gets bored and then moves on to the next target. Uh, and, 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 and I think that's the right, ad- the, the right strategy to, you know, in a way, keep Mr. Trump as far as possible from those negotiations. And yes, they can make all the most ridiculous claims that, that they want and, and, and ask for things that for sure Canada and Mexico will never agree to. And the Americans know that they'll never agree to this. Uh, but, you know, again, uh, I, I think that you know the, the Canadians and Mexican strategy is, is to hold together and, and say, look, if, if the American, we're, we're going to keep negotiating, and we you know we can put aside those things for now and focus on other things and keep the negotiations going, and then basically force Trump and company to to leave the table if they if they're unhappy. Otherwise, you know they, they'll still the you know, Canadian and, and Mexican negotiators will show up and and sit at the table, and if their American counterparts are not there, well, it's going to be America's fault. Which which seems to be the tack. I mean, again, to go back to that piece in the Times over the weekend, they suggested that the body language of the U.S. negotiators was was rather sheepish. There was a lot of shoulder shrugging going on. Like, I'll, my boss told me to say this, and my heart's not really in this. So you got to wonder just how long this this charade's going to go on. Well, let's hope that it's not going to go on for very long, because the the longer it goes, the more uncertainty it creates. And um, you know, if again, if you're a company looking to invest or and spend money in, in, in North America, whether it's Canada, U.S., or Mexico, well, now you're basically just waiting, right? If, if you had planned to invest hundreds of millions of dollars or ten millions of dollars or billions of, of dollars, you're, you know, you're, you're just going to wait. It's like, let's wait and see what happens because Trump may pull out. There may be no, no NAFTA. We don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, we're not going to spend those amounts of money that technically uh, we, would, we, we would be in for the next 10, 20 years. Uh, and, and, and ultimately that means it, jobs that, that are not going to be created and less economic activity and less economic growth. And, you know, certainly if I were congressional members who are facing elections uh, next, next fall, that would worry me. And, and I would, you know, put a lot of pressure on Mr. Trump not to pull out of NAFTA, but actually get a, a, a deal, a good deal for everyone quickly. And then after that, of course, you know, there will be losers. There is no way that any, everyone can win when it comes to free, uh, free trade agreements. That, that's understood. But, you know, let's try to find a deal that will make as many people as possible winners. And then let's find other policies that can de- deal in a way with the losers and, and, and uh, you know, help them transition to, to, to something else where ultimately they can also gain for, uh, uh, you know, a more open uh, North American economy. It's interesting, uh, those goodwill tours that uh, the Prime Minister and, and uh, I guess, Finance Minister Morneau and others uh, have done over the last six or eight months. Uh, Patrick, I guess have laid the groundwork for that to try to create a, an alliance between some of the, the uh, especially governors of those states that do an awful lot of trading with Canada right now, and let them be the surrogates in this debate? Oh, absolutely, because, of course, you know, Mr. Trudeau can, can go to Washington and speak to Mr. Trump, but, you know, that has... You know, some value, but it's fairly limited uh, because you know Mr. Trump doesn't play into the, the the U.S. political process. But you know, ultimately, we know that what matters in in, in Washington and in the states are votes. 
and 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 if you have um, you know state governors, legislators, and people in Congress who feel that uh, their voters are, are may not be happy with them if if something happens because they're going to lose their jobs, uh, then you know they they don't want that to happen. They they don't want all of a sudden to to see companies not invest or leave uh, as a result of 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 the termination of NAFTA, and 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 it it is really with them that we need to work, and we have worked at all levels, including also U.S. businesses. Let's not forget the Canadian and Mexican businesses have been working very closely with their, their counterparts in the U.S. to try to ha- really have this common front uh, vis-a-vis the, those kinds of policies that we're seeing. Now, to what extent that will work remains to be seen because, um, you know, to, it, it, it appears that, that Mr. Trump and, and, and Lighthizer are, are not so responsive to the demands and and uh, and requests of of the business community or even agricultures, which in in a way is surprising because these are supposed to be the the ones you know that that Mr. Trump is 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 uh, trying to to promote and defend. If he's trying to create jobs, well, you know the the those jobs are going to create be created by U.S. businesses, so he should pay attention to them. But it's not clear that he does. It's not clear that he pays attention to anyone. That's the problem. <laughs> and on that point, uh, that very poignant element. I think we'll, uh, we'll have to leave it. Patrick, thanks as always. Great talking with you today. No problem. My pleasure. Take care. Patrick LeBon, of course, Bye-bye. Associate Professor at uh, the Graduate School of Public International Affairs at the University of Ottawa. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play and listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.